0: Jones, a Welsh medical doctor who became a preacher about a century ago, once said this fear is the refusal to panic. And panic is exactly what a lot of people in our culture are doing right now. And that's understandable because, you know, as we look around, sickness is spreading, uh, hospitals are overcrowding, uh, many people have lost their jobs, and you're wondering where am I going to get the money to pay the bills next week? Uh, the politicians are disagreeing about what to do to solve all of this, and nobody knows when it's all going to end. And this panic creates a culture of anxiety and fear, and many of us are are kind of living, we're kind of swimming in low-grade fear right now. Uh, you know, so you're you're more irritable than normal. Uh, you are you're waking up at night. You can't you can't sleep uh, very well. Uh, some of us are are obsessively scrolling our social media feeds. But let's be clear. The coronavirus did not create the fear and anxiety. It simply revealed it. It simply exposed what was already there. You know, many of us are ridden with fear and anxiety. It's just kind of our posture towards life. Some of us are in situations right now that are just terrifying us. And so uh, we are ridden with fear over illness, maybe over failure. Some of us are uh, definitely afraid of abandonment. Some of us are afraid of death. And the list goes on and on and on. And so what I want to do this morning is in this culture of fear, maybe panic, I want to encourage us as the people of God to be calm. I want to encourage us to look to Jesus Christ in faith. You know, the most common command in the Bible is do not be afraid. So 366 times throughout the Bible, God tells his people, do not be afraid. But how do we do that? How do we obey that command? It's hard, isn't it? I mean, especially when things are spinning out of our control and we're dealing with with things that are are so above us and beyond us, how can we not be afraid? How do we trust Jesus? How do we uh, refuse to panic when everything is out of control? Well, in order to kind of look at that question, I want to uh, go to Matthew or Mark chapter 4. And we're going to look at a time when the disciples were in the middle of a storm. And we're gonna see how Jesus encouraged them and called them to have faith instead of to panic. And so uh, let's jump into the story today. This is Matthew 4, or Mark 4, uh, beginning in verse 35. Now it says, uh, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with them. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that they had, were nearly swamped. So the story opens up, and we see the disciples are panicking in the middle of a storm. And there's a good reason why they were in a panic. You see, this was a very large storm. And uh, the Sea of Galilee was actually known for having these huge cataclysmic uh, storms or hurricanes that would arise. Uh, the, the, the Sea of Galilee sat uh, 700 feet below sea level. And about 20 miles to the north was Mount Hermon, which was 9,200 feet above sea level. And the cold air from Mount Hermon would come down and it would clash with the warm air right over the Sea of Galilee and it would create these massive storms. But this storm must have been a doozy. It must have been unusually big because in Greek, it's literally called a megastorm. And we see here that uh, the disciples, these guys were all experienced fishermen. Even these experienced fishermen were terrified. And it's because this was a storm that was, in some sense, novel. Uh, it was something they'd never experienced before. It was bigger than any of them have ever, uh, had ever dealt with before. This was something new. And we're often uh, terrified when we experience new problems, new circumstances, new challenges, where there is no script to adjust to the new normal. And so they didn't know what to do in this situation. It was all brand new, and so that caused them to panic. Another reason why they were panicking is because they were completely out of control. Uh, This storm was, uh, it says that it was, the water was filling the boat. They they all thought they were going to die. They had exhausted all of their resources and they were spinning out of control. Have you ever noticed that fear is always related to control? When you feel like you are losing control, that's when you panic when you feel like there's, there's nothing you can do and you've tried everything and, and it's still coming, that's when, you, that's when you're afraid. So they were out of control and it was causing them to panic. But also notice that they also were panicking because they thought that Jesus had abandoned them. So there's a question right in the middle of this storm. The disciples, uh, they wake Jesus up and they say, master or teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? So they looked at Jesus and they said, don't you care? And I'm so glad that this question was in, it was, is in this passage because many of us have been there, haven't we? You know, you're in this situation. It's out of your control. It's scary. You feel like you're gonna die. And you look at Jesus. God, where are you? Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Uh, the other night when I was reading uh, my kids a, a story before they went to bed, my, my son Luke, he said, uh, we were talking about this uh, this uh, group of people, and they were going to die, and, and Luke said, Daddy, Daddy, did they perish? And I looked at Luke, and I said, Luke, uh, no, they didn't perish, but where did you learn that word perish? And he said, well, I learned it in Sunday school, Dad. You got to love that. Sunday, you know, pastor's kids, Sunday school, this is how they talk. They thought that they were going to die, and they felt like Jesus was doing nothing to stop it. And so they're afraid. Now, I want you to see that fear is not all bad. In some ways, fear is a healthy emotion. It alerts us to danger. But Jesus stands up here, and he wants his disciples. You know, fear is okay. Fear is kind of a reality, but he doesn't want them to panic. He doesn't want them to be ridden with anxiety. He doesn't want this fear to dominate them. And so he stands up. He wakes up, and notice he does two things. First of all, he calms the storm. This is in verse 39. He got up. He rebuked the wind and the waves. And he said, be quiet. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And then he looked at his disciples, and he says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And so he calms the storm. Secondly, Secondly, he also chides the disciples for their lack of faith. He says, your fear and your panic is a demonstration that you're not really trusting, that you're not really believing me, that you're actually more focused on the storm and the circumstances, and you are on me. Oh, you of little faith. And I wonder if Jesus would say that to us this morning. In the middle of our circumstances, when we are panicking, when we're freaking out, I wonder if he looks at us, maybe this is his word for you today. Oh, you have little faith, do not be afraid, but believe. Now, notice after Jesus calms the storm, the disciples look at one another, and it says they're even more terrified after the storm is over. Except for this time, they're terrified at Jesus. That says, they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? So here's the story. And what I want you to do uh, this morning is I want you to join me and I want you to join the disciples. So let's ask to get, together, why do we not have to be afraid? Why don't we need to panic in a storm? Why, why does trust el- eliminate panic in our lives? I mean, what reasons do we have to believe in Jesus? especially in the middle of the storm. I want to give you three. Uh, First of all, I think that that we have good reason not to panic in a storm because Jesus Christ here demonstrates that he has power over the storm. Jesus Christ is Lord of the storm. So whatever storm you're facing, no matter how um, out of control it may be, Jesus wants us to know that even in this circumstances, he is still the Lord. What's amazing, what's astonishing, actually, when you look at the story is the simplicity to which Jesus addresses the storm. It says he looks at the waves, and you know, he doesn't roll up his, his sleeves like Gandalf and wave his wand around. He doesn't do any incantations. He simply, you know, he simply looks at the storm and says two words, be quiet. In other words, he tells the, the raging hurricane to shut up. He speaks to the storm the same way I speak to my dog, uh, Chartus, And what's even more amazing is the storm obeys Jesus Christ's voice. He simply speaks a word and the storm goes away. Jesus Christ demonstrates that he has power over the storm. He is the Lord of all creation. He speaks a word and whatever circumstance we're in, he is over it. He's in control of it. And he wants us to know that he is Lord of the storm. He is Lord of our lives, no matter what's going on. And the problem is, is uh, when we're in circumstances that are beyond our control, we feel like nobody's in control. We feel like, you know, we're not in control. That must mean that nobody's in control. But here Jesus demonstrates that even though we are not in control of this world, he is, and that is actually a good thing. there's a story of Martin Luther. Uh, during the Reformation. And uh, Martin Luther had a good friend. His name was Philip Melanchthon. And, uh, you know, uh, during the, the Reformation, this was a dangerous time and things would often get crazy. And uh, Philip Melanchthon, he was uh, Luther's good friend. He was much younger than Luther. He was actually uh, a lot smarter than Luther, uh, or at least he was more of a scholar. And he was also a warrior. And so when things would get crazy, he would go to Luther and say, Luther, what are we going to do? Oh, everything's falling apart. Oh, no, it's this is terrible. We should we should panic. What do we do? And then Luther would look back at Philip Melanchthon he would say, Philip, cease ruling the world. In other words, he would say, Philip, let God be God. Philip, you're trying to rule the world and you're not qualified for the job. And I think God would say the same thing to us right now. Whatever you are freaked out about, whenever you are losing control, I mean, the fear is that, you know, oh no, I'm not in control anymore. Well, listen, listen, These storms, they they reveal to us that our control is actually an illusion and that the God of the universe, no matter what is going on, is still very much running his world. And we can rest in that. In fact, Jesus in the storm, notice what he's doing. He's, He's resting. And he's resting in the fact that God is still on his throne. God is still caring for you. God is bigger than the storm. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They uh, neither uh, toil or panic, but they know that God cares for them. And he says, If God cares for birds, how much more is he still caring for you? There's a little uh, nursery rhyme that, that's really been helping me uh, the last couple days. And it says this Said so the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. God is still caring for you in the storm. This doesn't mean that, uh, that bad things don't happen. This doesn't mean that we always understand what's happening. It doesn't mean that what has happened to us is always good. This storm that they were going through is decidedly not good. It simply means that regardless of what is happening, God's care for you has not ceased. God is on the throne and his care is constant. He's Lord of the storm. I think another thing that helps us to uh, rest and not panic in the storm is not only that Jesus is over and in control of the storm, but also the fact that Jesus is with us in the storm. Now, notice in the story, where is Jesus Christ when all this goes down? Jesus Christ is with them the whole time. He's in the boat. When the storm comes, Jesus is not on the other side of the Sea of Galilee saying, goodbye guys, hopefully you'll get to the other side. He is not on the, uh, on the, the, the far side saying, hey, come on guys, come to this side, you'll make it, come on, you can really do it. No, Jesus Christ is in the boat with them the whole time. And although it seems like he's absent, Jesus is very much present. And what the disciples learn after Jesus calms the storm is that he's been with them the whole time. Jesus Christ is with us in the storm. No matter what you're going through, Jesus wants you to know that he is the God who is with you. Throughout the Bible, uh, like I said, the most common command is do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And it's always followed up with the phrase, Do not be afraid for, God says, I am with you. God says, I am with you in the storm. Dorothy Sayers was a, um, she was a a detective novelist and she was also an armchair theologian. And she talks about the incarnation and how this means that God is with us even in the dark aspects of this world. And she says this, whatever reason God chose to make man as he is, limited and suffering and subject to sorrow and death, he had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He has himself gone through the whole of human experience, from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. When he was the man, she said, he played the man. He was born in poverty and died in disgrace and thought it well worthwhile. She's appealing to this doctrine of the incarnation. That as as we go through trouble in this life, God is not up there as the eternal unblinking stare in the sky. You know, the the watchmaker who winds it all up and, and watches the world as it spins off from a distance. God is the God of Jesus, He comes into our world. He experiences our pain with us. And therefore, the book of Hebrews says that because of that, Jesus Christ is the perfect high priest. Go to him in your trouble. He's experienced all the gamut of human suffering. Go to him in your need. He is with you in the storm. Uh, All of my kids, when I I taught them how to go, when we were teaching them to sleep all the way through the night, um, the way that, that we did that was that I would lay in the bed with them as they as they fell into sleep, and so uh, you know we'd read a story and the child that was uh, we were teaching him how to sleep. Um, I would lay there until he actually fell asleep, and then I would get up and I would we'd go and we'd sleep in our own bed. Well, uh, my son Micah, the last one that we're teaching here, that one time he said, "Daddy, how come you're with me when I fall asleep, but then when I wake up in the night, I'm all alone. You're gone." He says, you're with me, but then at night when I really need you, when it's dark and I'm afraid, you're gone. And I said, listen, Micah, we're still there. We're just in the other room. Uh, And I think a lot of us, we feel kind of the same way. Jesus, it feels like you're with me when things are good, but where are you in the storm? It seems like you're asleep. Well, the incarnation teaches us that Jesus is especially with us when things get dark. When you wake up at night, and you have that sort of fear and that anxiety of what's going on? Are things going to be okay? Jesus wants you to know that he's with you. He is with us in the storm. And then finally, we see that Jesus ultimately overcomes the storm. And so notice uh, at the end of the story, uh, Jesus stands up. He, uh, he calms the storm. And what's interesting is a storm is called a megastorm in Greek. After Jesus calms the storm, it says there's a mega calm. And so in other words, if you've ever been out on a lake or on a river when the wind isn't blowing, it, there's almost sheet glass, and you could almost see your reflection there in the, in the water. This was the calm that came after the storm. Listen, uh, we still may experience storms in this life. The, the coronavirus will come and go. But listen, the storms in life are, are going to be constant. There will always be things to be afraid of. There will always be reason to panic. If it's not this storm, it will be another one. What Jesus wants you to know is that at the end of the day, history is moving somewhere. Jesus Christ has come into the world, and he has done so so that one day he may calm all the storms. At the beginning of the story, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, we're going to get to the other side. And Jesus Christ looks at all of us and he says, listen, no matter what you're going through, there is coming a day where I will get complete victory over every storm. In the book of Revelation, there's a picture of a sea and it's a sea of glass. And this is a picture of no more storms, no more pain, no more chaos. Jesus will one day bring ultimate peace to his world. But he came into this world uh, in order to do that. And the way that he did that is by suffering the the terror and the fears of this world himself. What's interesting in the story is that a lot of scholars point out that it's similar to the story of Jonah. Many people think that Mark stylized this story on the story of Jonah. Both stories, uh, the the, uh, sailors encounter a megastorm, same word in Greek. Uh, In both stories, uh, the sailors are terrified. Uh, In both stories, there's a prophet who's asleep and the boat. In both stories, the sailors go out, go down, and wake up the prophet. And in both stories, God eventually calms the storm. And in both stories, in order for God to calm the storm, the prophet has to be thrown into the storm. Jonah was thrown over the boat in order to get the calm. But you say, wait a minute, Jesus wasn't thrown over the boat here. Jesus wasn't thrown into the storm. In this story, ah, Jesus want, or John, Mark wants us to know that one day Jesus will be thrown into the storm. Jesus on the cross will face the whole gamut of pain, suffering, sorrow, and death. Jesus on the cross was thrown into chaos so that through his death, through his experience of pain, he might bring calm to this world one day. And so again, I want to call you this morning as the people of God, as we're in this situation where we're navigating this storm, this new normal, the situation where we are out of control, I want to call you out of panic and into faith. I want you to focus on Jesus more than you're focusing on the circumstances. He is still in control of your life. He's still caring for you. He's with you. And one day he will bring complete peace to this world. Let me apply this just for a few minutes here at the end. Um, I know that it's hard as we're going through storms to remember these things, but let me encourage you to do a few things. Um, one of the ways that we can focus on Jesus and uh, you know, rest our lives upon him and trust is to sing. Don't forget to worship during this time. During worship, we focus on Jesus and we remind ourselves of how big and how awesome and powerful he is. So sing, uh, put on a, a worship song on your Pandora app. Um, sing your favorite hymn. Remember to sing and remind yourself of how amazing and wonderful Jesus is. Focus your attention on him and not the storm. I want to encourage you to continue to spend time in the Word of God. Spend time reading scripture, hearing God's voice, experiencing his presence. You know, God is with you, and sometimes we don't realize God is with us, and and sometimes what we need to do is open our Bible and remind ourselves of, of who he is and hear his voice um, speaking into our circumstances. Continue to read the word of God. Continue to s- spend time with God every single day. And finally, I want you to get a friend who will remind you that Jesus Christ is on the throne. Remember, uh, Philip uh, Luther had a friend, or uh, Philip had a friend in Luther, who would always look at Philip and remind him, "Hey, Philip, stop trying to rule the world." Do you have a friend in your life who will look at you very directly and honestly and say? Sam, stop trying to rule the world. You're not qualified for the job. Hayden, cease trying to rule the world. You are, This is God's job. He's still on his throne. Sam and Hayden are both in the room. But no matter where you are, maybe you need somebody who will remind you that God is caring for you. He cares for the sparrow. No matter what is going on, it may seem like he's asleep, but God is still on his throne. And so let's be a people of peace instead of panic. Let's trust in Jesus Christ. Let's rest our lives in faith instead of being driven by fear. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this story of the disciples who are panicking in a storm. And God, we pray that um, just like you did for them, Lord, you would do for us, that you would move us from a place of panic to trust. Lord, that you would remind us that you are in control, that you are with us, God, that you will one day uh, vanquish the pain and sorrow of this world. God, I pray that we wouldn't just believe in the doctrines of Christianity, but that we would rest in you, our Savior, that we would uh, put all of our confidence and all of our weight on you, and that in doing that, we may experience peace. And we pray that you would do this in Jesus' name.